Hey, this is Daniel from Markers on the Map, and this week we've got the second half of our top 10 PS4 games of all time. What'll be our top picks? You'll have to listen to find out. Plus, this week marks the launch of the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series family of consoles, so we got a little bit of news to cover. Don't forget to check us out and follow us on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. on Netflix and I gotta say that that is honestly besides The Mandalorian the best show I've seen in a long time uh have you seen the show yet no I've never even seen oh I've seen the original not much of it it's a very like vague memory of it but no I haven't seen the show I actually haven't seen the original but they show like uh clips of it in the show but that's besides the point um, there is now a Cobra Kai video game that I see has been released by Game Mill of um, Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 and G.I. Joe game for Switch fame. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this game, but it looks uh, a lot like a- another game we've played. I've seen it. <laughs> Doesn't it remind you of something? Uh, it reminds me of a certain uh, basketball player. That had a game in the 90s, and then it had a remaster, or I guess a reboot, uh, pretty, what, like 2015? Something like that. We're, of course, talking about Shaq Fu, a game that used to be a fighting game, but then got turned into a beat-em-up, but should have been a fighting game. I stand by that. It was alright, but it should have been a fighting game. Uh, the beat-em-up is pretty good. I don't know. I I like that it's a beat-em-up more than it's a fighting game. There's not a lot of fighting games that can beat like Tekken Street Fighter or like even Guilty Gear or anything like that. So I think a beat em up would have been better. That's that I can see that argument. But at the same time there's other beat em ups like Streets of Rage four that, that came out or I don't know, this Cobra Kai game, I'm mildly interested in it. I mean I don't know if I'd pay full price for it, but I am mildly interested. Maybe in the future I'll check it out. It's only a matter of time until they do a remake with Jaden and it's a TV show about the kid that he beat up in that one. The cycle continues. Come on, originality, let's go! So, uh, this week's episode, we are actually recording a day early because tomorrow is PS4 launch day. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we have the episode all finished up, um, and hopefully we do get our uh, PS5s on time. I think I said PS4. I, I meant PS5. So we're doing that top 10 countdown thing we've been doing so today you'll hear about our top five ps4 games each of ours and of course this is a new episode of markers on the map a gaming adventure where old and new collide in a vast open world where we have top fives news rumors and other stuff so i'm daniel as always and i'm here with robert how are you doing today uh i'm doing all right, it's getting a little bit colder where I'm at, so uh have to wear jackets and be warmed up and not get the common cold cuz yeah. I hate having colds. Oh yeah, definitely. I've been uh bundling up a bit more in the morning too because 
it's been like 30 degrees on Sundays. Oh, yeah. So we are in the process of waiting for our consoles to arrive, basically. So I've been, like I said last week, finishing up Loose Ends, tying up Loose Ends with other games. And I've been playing No More Heroes, like I said. And I gotta say, before we get started today, No More Heroes, the first one, is such an exhausting game. I don't know if I'm, like, on board with it. I finished it, but I'm just very exhausted by it. See, when you kept asking, or you kept telling me that you were playing No More Heroes, I thought it was three. I was like, oh, they already released a third one. But then I realized, oh, he's talking about the first one because they did release the first and second one on the Switch when they announced. Or they just, I don't think they announced it. They just dropped it. Yeah, it was a shadow drop during the last Partner Direct. But, like, man, I, I, I rented this game back on the Wii because when I was a kid, I had to rent a lot of games. And I remember not, I was thought it was really cool because we had a lightsaber game for the switch or for the for the wii finally and i remember not being super impressed by it because it was very hard and after every level you had to go do some you know menial task like mowing the lawn or picking up coconuts and taking them to a vendor or something and then you'd raise money to fight the next boss battle and i think i got to like the second boss battle as a kid so i'm giving it I i was giving it a second shot and it wore thin really fast. Some of the levels are just straight up corridors that you walk through and you defeat enemies and I just and then you have to go do another thing like pick up trash off the ground and then go at at one point I had a mission to give me enough money that I just have to keep uh keep going between one part of the map and another doing the same mission because you can't just redo the missions to get money and by the end I was just I'm done with it like was was I, this deadly premonition did you accidentally just play deadly premonition the entire week and not realize it dude I was thinking about deadly premonition too when I was playing no more heroes and I was like you know what there's only room for one one kind of quirky game like this uh per year and honestly Dudley premonition 2 had a lot more charm to it so mm. ah <laughs> i think no more heroes 2 got rid of the open world which much like near automata i felt it wasn't necessary so maybe i'll pick up two at some point but right now i think i'm gonna give the uh no more heroes uh, series a break because ps5 is coming so oh, yeah. just wanted to get that out there I've been exhausted by a video game. <laughs> back to back to weird games like that, I feel like it would be exhausting to play yeah. those. So we got news this week. Not much because it's console launch week. So I think a big news story is that if you're a YouTube premium subscriber, you're going to get a free Stadia Premiere Edition, or you're able to. That's big news. That's a $100 thing, I think. Uh, I think there's a deadline. I think it's before a certain date. But, yeah, you could just, if you have YouTube Premium, you could literally ask, like, hey, I have YouTube Premium before this certain date. And they'll be like, yeah, sure, here's a whole Stadia, like, uh, controller and the whole, like, what is it, the Chromecast, is what they call it? Th- does it come with a Chromecast? Probably. I think it's, and probably, it's the, I know it's the $100 version, it has to come with something to stream it on. Hey, look, Stadia has the uh, Bomberman Battle Royale game, and then the new Pac-Man one, and... Serious Sam 4, I think, is exclusive for a year, right? Oh, yeah, it was. Serious Sam is exclusive for a year. Yeah. So, if you're a subscriber to YouTube Premium, feel like trying out a streaming game console, then, hey, go for it. Now, on the topic of consoles, yes, it's console launch week. The Xbox Series X and Series S came out yesterday. 
the PS5 comes out tomorrow, so we're, we've got reviews of games trickling in, hardware, uh, user interface, all that cool stuff. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, Series uh, X uh, load time should be comparable um, to games with PS5 updates or PS5 games themselves. But I was going to bring up launch titles. Now, far as I can tell, there's only one, like, giant game that's only playable on a next-gen console, and that is Demon's Souls. Um, I think everything on the series consoles are playable on the one, and pretty much everything on the PS5 that's coming out at launch is playable on the four, but Demon's Souls is exclusive only to PlayStation 5. I thought Bugsnack was exclusive. Or is that a cross-gen game, too? Yeah, Bugsnax is cross-gen. Oh, I did not know that. I thought it was a PS5 only. No, it's PS4 as well. And then um, Godfall is on PC, so you can't say Godfall is something you can only play on the PS5. So, so far, launch titles are looking good, but for people who maybe couldn't afford a, a PS5 right now, because, you know, it's it's a tough times. Um, yeah. They're not kind of excluding people. So, no. I'm, I'm on board with cross-gen. And hey, cross-gen is going to help um, with 60 frames for a while. Like, we won't always have those 60 frames consistently coming out. At some point, it's going to go back down to 30 when when the system potential is unlocked. But let's enjoy those 60 frames while we got them, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess what's different with this console generation, like I said, switching from the 3 to the 4, uh, you were stuck on the 3. You could not play with your friends if they had a 4, vice versa, too. You, if you had a 4, you can play with your friends on the 3. So... They're keeping both consoles alive for probably the next three years. They're trying to trans a smooth transition from the four to the five, but they're not trying to leave out the people that may obviously with how times is are right now. They don't want to have people miss out on the new game experiences. I mean, you look at Ghost and we see that they kind of figured out how the PS4 works. Yeah. So you know they could still survive on three years with that console alone, but I think they really do want to have the next generation out by now but it's good that they're not keeping those people behind there's also cross-generational uh cross-gen play so borderlands is getting this next year i believe so you know if somebody still has a ps4 playing borderlands when you have a ps5 you will be able to play with those people um so cross-gen cross-platform those are becoming more and more common nowadays i know minecraft dungeons is getting a cross-platform next week i think so I bought Minecraft on the Switch because they were doing a cross-platform thing, and I wanted to support that. And here we are about two years uh, out from that, and look, it's happening. It's Star Wars Squadrons, all that stuff. So cross-gen, cross-platform makes things a little more accessible for people, and I like that. We got remote play coming to PS4, so it's being kind of put onto your console uh, at random right now. So I guess you'll be able to uh, remote play your PS5 from the PS4. I think that's pretty cool, especially if you have uh, two TVs or two, in two different rooms. It, I see this as you have a PS5, you just have the one. And let's say you just have it in the living room because that's where you have your 4K console. And then in your room or maybe in the siblings' room or your kids' room, they have their own TV. It's not 4K, it's just 1080 but they want to play the PS5, but you don't want them to drag that console into their room because it's a heavy console, it's a big console. Uh, it's no, new, expensive, so they could just remote play that from their PS4. 
and yeah. it'll output at 1080. So it, the 4K wouldn't really matter if their TV's not even 4K. It'll stick to the 1080. But you'll get all the frames, and you'll probably get all the fast loading speeds and all that. Or as good as Remote Play will let you have. Because, you know, PS5 being able to connect to faster Wi-Fi should theoretically, I think, help with the uh, Remote Play latency issues or the share play issues, I guess. Remote Play, I... Th- believe it does need the wi-fi but it also depends on how close you are to the console yeah i have the vita so i remote play on it sometimes here and there yeah i've remote played on my laptop yeah it's like i've at least for me in my experience i haven't had a problem with remote play on the vita so then there's that and then you may have gotten a notification from playstation this week that said your cyberpunk 2077 pre-order has been delayed problem is some people who got that haven't pre-ordered cyberpunk i got that notification so it was like nine o'clock p.m maybe when you texted me that and i was just like that's weird and then right when i texted you no i didn't get a notification i legit got a notification and it said your cyberpunk delay i was just like well it just says cyberpunk i was like oh maybe it's just telling everyone that cyberpunk was delayed but it then i clicked on it and it's from playstation and told me your pre-order has been delayed i'm like um I've never even looked at this game on, like, the store, and I've, I've never pre-ordered it. I was like, did they send me this? Because at one point there was a free cyberpunk wallpaper or, like, uh, theme, and I downloaded it. I think there was. Well, yeah, there was, but it, did that trigger something that said, oh, your pre-order is delayed? I didn't pre-order it. I don't plan on getting cyberpunk for a long time. It, it's, it's weird because... I. I don't know, it's just, it's weird, because I was like, well, now I'm concerned, did I accidentally pre-order it, or did something happen? So, I did a whole mission, and I looked through everything, and not a single receipt, nothing, like, I was like, no, like, nothing's out of place, I just got a notification. So, I took to Twitter to see if other people, you know, how you told me that people on Twitter were saying it, I took to Twitter, and yeah, there was other people saying, like, I've never pre-ordered this game, why am I getting a notification? But Sony has yet to acknowledge this, or even, like, I would say big, like, Twitter Pages were to acknowledge that some people were getting notifications. Examples like Wario. I feel like Wario's kind of on weird things like that. Um, but no, I haven't really heard much. So I'm thinking, well, it's probably only a handful of people. But I checked through my like PlayStation store purchases, like with the library and all that. Not a single Cyberpunk thing on there. So I'm like, well, if you know, if I don't get it, it's not going to bother me because I didn't pre-order it. As long as it doesn't charge to my account, I'm pretty yeah. much fine with it. And like, you don't. From what I can tell, you'd never pre-order digital games, especially at full price. <laughs> the only one I did was Black Ops 4. Oh, yeah. And I regretted that because I was like, I could have just waited two months and I could have gotten it for 60 But, you know, I learned. I get impatient with games sometimes, so I pre-order the digital versions. Case in point, Resident Evil 3, a game that I beat in a couple of days, six times. Yeah. But we don't talk so, about that today. Yeah, it, it, we learned. We learned our lessons from that point. It's like, like I said, I'm kind of off the whole pre-ordering digital or even pre-ordering physical too. I'm just like, eh, I'll get it when I get it. Whenever yeah. I see it at the store, I'll pick it up. So Fall Guys got an update yesterday. Um, there's a lot of new remixed levels. So I've played some of them because there's a, a little uh, mode now where you can play only the remixed levels. And I got to say, the perfect match one is nonsense because they've got one of those like bars you have those rotating bars you have to jump over 
but my perfect match um, game lasted like two seconds because I was right next to it and it pushed me off before I even had the chance to jump. So maybe they'll mm. patch that. <laughs> I don't um, know. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a good idea to have it, but a bad idea that you don't have any time to jump before it knocks you off. Um, yeah. Good idea, poor execution of it. Yeah, they'll fix it. They usually are pretty good at fixing things like that in this game. Um, they added like more axes to uh, Night Fever. And they added a new level called Big Fans, which I think is one of the best levels they've ever done. It's a long-form race level where you're jumping across fans the whole time. Very chaotic, even though I only played it as a second round. I'm sure if it shows up as a first round, it'll be like insane. Um, Goose from the Goose game is coming as a costume this week. And let's hope Cajun Fries are on their way, because I want the Cajun Fries. There's still no Cajun Fries? There's no Cajun fries yet. They don't, don't exist. They exist. They showed it in a trailer. I'll st- no, they- I'll stand on this until it comes out. I'll be like, come on, guys. Release the Cajun fries costume. No, they don't exist. Never existed. It's all a dream. <laughs> so, yeah, this game, as usual, is pretty fun. It'll definitely be on my PS5. And then last bit of news today is uh, Borderlands 3 released its DLC this week. The first of the season pass 2 called the Designer's Cut. And the Final Form Cosmetics we talked about uh, last week. I haven't checked out the new skill trees yet, but I've been playing Arms Race Mode, that little roguelike mode they added in. Man, that is so much fun. <laughs> I need to get the Director's Cut. I didn't get it. Well, again, we're getting an update for, for Borderlands 3 this week that's going to make everything a little more smoother, a little, little faster, play a little better. So maybe when, when that happens, you can pick up Arms Race because... You start afresh from every time you launch into arms race. You can extract new weapons, old weapons. It's really good for leveling characters up. I took my uh, level 22 Amara in and got about half a level out of it just going through arms race one time. So it's good for leveling characters because it scales with you. It's just I hope that they expand it in the future because it's only one map. And five maps, five maps would be great because i've played arms race probably like 20 times now it's so much fun i got all the trophies in the designer's cut it has the the game as a whole is built on the whole like different planets it's basically the universe so they should have different maps yeah and you know the thing i like the most is that this is a a miniature borderlands the entire experience you start with your common guns you fight a little, you work your way up to purples and oranges, you fight a boss, and it's over. It's like playing a small, like, 20-minute version of Borderlands every time you do arms race. So, I- I'm really liking it. See, I would get the director's cut, but I still want my keys. <sighs> I still want my keys, man. Those keys. Oh, the, the, the 100, where did my keys, 100 keys go? I still, I mean, it's fine. I honestly, like, it's a joke and all, but it, it's fine. It's like, none of the loot in Borderlands 1 was like, I don't say it's any good, but from the chest, it was, I mean, it was better than probably like two or three. They gave out oranges here and there. Yeah, and you know what? Basically, we are preparing you listeners for the inevitable Borderlands episode. Because something always goes wrong when we play Borderlands. And like we said, we call that the Borderlands curse. Oh, man. But I'll probably pick up the director's mode sometime soon. Um, here Now, here's my question. Does the season pass 2 come with the director's cut? Or is it two separate things? Because when I see it, it's two separate uh, like 
the, the season pass too comes with the designer's cut and then the director's cut comes out next year oh okay it, it's both of them like you can buy the dlc separately i think like the other ones but the season pass gives you both and it's a small dlc area and content wise but you get the new skill trees so i'm thinking the director's cut it might be like a crown tundra situation where the second dlc is really expansive and hopefully you know we'll see i mean yeah we'll see by the end of the day but i'll i mean season two is not even that much it's like the first one was like almost as price as the game this one's 30 so that's pretty good to me and then with the news out of the way i have here in my hands a nintendo direct rumor for a game called Chibi Robo Holy Grail. Is it the will of the people? Is this Robotcon's true desire? Coming to the Nintendo Switch, a new adventure filled with joy and wonder in Chibi Robo Holy Grail. Take charge of our tiny hero as the original Love Delic team from Moon reunites to make this heartwarming journey through the land of Microcosm. The residents of this fair land have lost their will to be happy, and it's up to Chibi Robo to spread the joy through a web of intricate and intertwining tasks that unravel a touching story about courage, loss, and the friends these quaint townspeople made along the way. Live a full Chibi Robo life developing relationships with the townsfolk as everyone has a story. Collect relics, identifiable by certain residents, and use them to solve puzzles and the mysteries behind Microcosm's long-forgotten past. Level up your joy and the town's steadfastness. Team up locally or with a friend online in special co-op stories where heartstrings being tugged is only the beginning of a beautiful symphony. Face exciting bosses and use the power of ingenuity and resourcefulness to end the encounters peacefully so that hope and love can return to microcosm. Blast the world with life and color as Chibi Robo solves hundreds of tasks ranging from the mundane to the epic. Conquer negativity with bliss. Restore glory to the world. Embrace the joy. Embrace Chibi Robo. Holy Grail. Man, I got tears in my eyes. It's beautiful. It sounds like a beautiful game. Chibi Robo's that robot from the GameCube, right? Yeah, Chibi Robo's that robot from the GameCube. What is that what is that game about? Um I think it's like a sort of like a puzzle platformer, but it's very like accessible to anybody who wants to play it from a kid to an adult and I think some people that worked on Moon made it. So there's kind of a running theme here. Wait, so the people that that made Moon made this game? Um, not all of them. I think some of them went on to make it. Correct me if I'm wrong in the future, but I believe some of them went on to make this, just like some of them went on to make, uh, like the Tingle Rupee Land game that never came to the U.S. This Chibi Robo game sounds pretty cool. I'm interested. It sounds like a little chill, relaxing time. Such emotion. It reminds me of a commercial for a, a game that's, uh, that we'll be talking about here pretty soon, uh, where... There's like a town or city that's being flooded, and it's like a reverse flood, and everyone's panicking. They're just flooding in the city, and and, and and it starts like reversing, and then all of a sudden it turns into a, a gentleman's tears as he watches Daryl from The Walking Dead cradling a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this commercial? I saw this at a movie theater last year, a commercial for 
this game. Probably. I've yeah. probably seen it. Weird commercial. <laughs> but I like it. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, our top five PS4 games. Now, these are some of the greatest games ever made. For me personally, my greatest game ever made is is on this list here today. So, we're going to go ahead and get started with our top five. Coming in at number five for me is Marvel's Spider-Man. Hmm. Now, I think ours, I think we'll see, but uh, we have, probably have different opinions about this. Mm-hmm. So, it was a struggle to, to do a couple of these in, in this order, but Spider Man is absolutely the most fun game I've ever played. Now, it is only number five for me. When your game has me just swinging across the city for upwards of two hours, thinking that it's 15 minutes and not knowing where the time went, I think you've got a good game going there. Um, This Spider-Man is a more mature Spider-Man. He's been Spider-Man for eight years. So this game itself is a more of an origin story for another Spider-Man villain. The, The gameplay is so... It's perfect. It's perfect gameplay. The swinging is amazing. The combat takes the best of the Arkham series and gives it a Spider-Man flair. The missions are great. The city itself looks amazing. Um, Insomniac has mastered reflections on buildings. Um, I I watched a video once about how they did it, and I thought it was a really great idea. Um, The story, the graphics. I I mean, like, this game is being remastered tomorrow, and you're going to be able to play it at 60 frames and, you know... Everything about this game was just so much fun that I wouldn't mind playing through it again, including the DLC, which had three wonderful campaigns, a lot of varied content here. It's just playing Spider-Man, you don't feel like you're doing open-world busy work, even though some of it is open-world busy work, because it's just so much fun. It's such a good game that we both platted it. Yeah, I mean, like, how often does that happen? It's It's not a difficult plat to do, because you can just play the game, and not really do things like, oh, I got to collect 100 of this thing. Like, no, you can play the game and just do every side mission, every side quest, and you'll get the plot. It's not a difficult plot to get, but it's an entertaining, like, it's an entertaining, like, achievable plot that you'll feel good of getting. Yeah. And actually, thinking about it, all of my top five I've gotten the plot in that I'll be talking about today, which, which tells you something because getting in the platinum is a lot of times an undertaking. Like, it's, a, it's not an easy thing to do all the time, but... You know, these are such great games that Spider-Man at number five, I gotta say, it it was hard to put it at number five, but when I look at the other four, I'm like, it's gotta be number five. So, Spider-Man is my number five. What's yours? Uh, My number five is something that I think people will probably put as their number one, but for me, it's number five. That's God of War. All right. The reason why it's number five, I have a confession to make. I've still not yet beaten this game yet. I'm still like past, I'm still starting on the mountain. But the amount, the time that I have played this game, I can see why this is number one for most people. It's, it's a great game. And that's, and that's not even enough to really say how great this game is. Like everything about God of War it's thrown out the window because it was a beat-em-up hack-and-slash. This is a story-driven RPG 
I, I just really don't know how to explain this game. This game is the same characters in the same universe and the same this and that, but it just it feels so nice that it's something else that it never originally was because the whole people think like oh it's an rpg must take it's not it's very little rpg where it feels nice to play as kratos it's your character action game that has light rpg mechanics and weapon upgrades stuff like that it and it's it's not that it's not hard to really understand it's not very difficult to understand at all i was i was kind of maybe a little concerned i was like oh it's gonna be one of those games where i have to really think about my you really don't uh, you just play through the game, and then if you want to upgrade, you can, but I feel like you can probably... I mean, it's probably very difficult, but you could probably really play this game without really upgrading anything. Yeah, they have a, a story mode difficulty, I think, to where if you don't care too much about the upgrade aspect of it, you don't really probably have to do much, if any. Everything about this game is just great. I think the visuals are amazing. The characters, the voice acting, the writing, the tone, the, the pacing of the game, the way things... And just... Because the original God of War was what Greek mythology? No, yeah. it was yeah, Greek, Greek mythology. mythology. This is um, Norse mythology. So yeah. it's weird because you like, well, it's a reboot, but it's really not. It's not a reboot at all. It's a soft reboot. But I know that this game has mega spoilers, which I will not spoil it because I can't even spoil it. Like I said, I haven't even finished it. But even if I did finish it, I wouldn't spoil it because it's that good of a game where you don't want to spoil anybody about it. I know you're waiting for the PS5 to play it at 60 frames, but man, I cannot wait for you to finish this game because by the end, it is absolutely nuts. I'm surprised that it's not ready 60 because it's like I said, it's already gorgeous. I just think the so one thing I've always thought about this game is just how gorgeous it looks. Every, like uh, with all this chaos that's happening, it still has a pretty tone to it. It's not like browns and grays; it actually has colors to it. Yeah, it's a vibrant nice vibrant world and um like the weight of the combat it feels there every swing feels meaningful throwing the leviathan axe and calling it back gives such a good feedback to the player i think that it's probably the best weapon this generation it's it's one of those games where i was like i understand why this is people's number one choice it's only number five for me but that's because i haven't finished it yet but even if i were to finish it there's just one game i, I just don't think i can put it above like i can't put that above it like, that has to be number one for me. but i can see why this is people's number one and i eventually will finish it i think the load times is what kind of bugs me a little bit too but since like i said the ps5 the frames and load times that should be no problem and of course we are getting a sequel uh next year i believe it was announced for next year um yeah which is good because this game needs a sequel badly especially after that stinger at the end so yeah, God of War, that is a really... I know it was on my honorable mentions. Also also a hard thing for me to do is put that on the honorable mentions, but man, what a great game. <laughs> I mean, I like the side characters too, like the two uh, dwarfs, the brothers. Oh yeah, was, uh, they're great. They're, I love them, they're funny. Is this on the PS Plus collection? I, I think, think so, yes. Yeah, so you have no excuse, listeners, to play God of War on your PS5 if you get one. Uh, because it's going to be free on Plus. And yeah, 18 games in total, I think, are on the Plus collection from the, from launch. So it's real exciting for people that haven't gotten to try God of War yet. So, number four. We're getting to the really big games for each of us here. Number four for me is Death Stranding. That game with the commercial where Daryl from The Walking Dead is holding the little baby. 
Now, Death Stranding for people is probably a divisive game. It's mm-hmm. from Kojima, who we know from Metal Gear Solid and, you know, Zone of the Enders. Death Stranding is a game that you learn to play and you learn to love. Because at the beginning of the game, this is a game all about being, let's say, a delivery man in a post-apocalyptic but beautiful lush green world. Like, this is absolutely the most beautiful open world besides a certain game we'll get to later. Um, Because I like the color green and most of the stuff in Death Stranding is like green and overgrown. So, so it's the best looking like apocalypse that could pos- possibly be. It's a beautiful apocalypse, yes. <laughs> that's that's like the first I've ever heard, but I could see that. I've seen some gameplay of it. Yeah. So you are in charge of delivering packages to people who live underground and in shelters and stuff. And basically the conceit here is that there is rain in the world of Death Stranding. Now, the plot is very convoluted, complicated. We won't get too much into the plot here. But there is rain that's called Timefall. And when it lands on things, it ages them. So if it lands on a flower, the flower will grow, it'll die, it'll be reborn, it'll grow, it'll die until the rain stops. So the main goal of the game is to get your packages from one spot of the map to the other before it can get destroyed by Timefall or rain or by dropping it or every, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to master balancing uh, your uh, Sam Bridges, played by Norman Reedus, um, balancing on the rocks, climbing, using ladders to get across areas, building bridges to get across areas, driving trucks or bikes sometimes if you have too much things to carry on your back. And you are helped along by connecting online by other people who have set out ladders or bridges or anything like that. You can share items with people. Um, You can take items from people. You can leave items for people. And you can rate each other. You can send likes and everything. So it's kind of like a miniature social network in the realm of the game. But the moment-to-moment gameplay for me of just walking around a beautiful world, climbing rocks and finding the best way to get from point A to point B is like really chill and relaxing and it didn't grab me as much as for at first as it did early in this year when i did my platinum run but it's just there are just moments in this game where i just liked being in the open world driving around in one of the bridges trucks and making a delivery i was never feeling like bored i was just feeling relaxed and i think that's really important in a game like this now there is some combat it's very rare and a few combat based chapters that are more plot related than anything but this is really just a story about connecting networks to the united cities of america and just having a good time traveling along a a, like we said a beautiful apocalypse um set to a story that is urgent and weird and out there and crazy and full of like otherworldly creatures or they're called bts like shadow people that come from other dimensions that they call beaches and it's it's all weird but the gameplay is really what did it for me with a uh, death stranding i think we've established what this game is really is it's called uh if there's a will there's a way oh absolutely i have driven those trucks in this game 
up like sheer mountain walls because I said, "You look if I can, if you can do it, if you can." Death Stranding just gives you so many opportunities to do things that are absolutely impossible, but because this is a game, you can pull it off if you have enough perseverance. I mean, it's just I I've seen some gameplay of it. I think what makes me laugh is when you fall and all your packages. The examples, it, it falls down the river, so now you have to go collect them. And if I mean, they take enough damage, they're, like, destroyed. That you, It doesn't even matter if you collect them. It's like they're destroyed. It doesn't matter if you turn them in. Once they're in the river, if you don't have the sticky gun, it's it's over. You may as well just restart the mission. And even the sticky gun, like, grabs the packages, but it'll fling them behind you, and they'll get broken anyway, so... Like, when things go bad in Death Stranding, everything goes bad. Like, you, this is a game where you have to learn how to balance your uh, Norman Reedus um, while you walk. Make sure you don't trip over any small rocks until you get better items or better stability. Like, your stability can increase. You can get better boots, better gloves. You can get heating pads so you don't freeze in the cold. Man, there's a mountain that you climb, like, a hundred times in the snow and unless you have a, a network of if you don't have enough zip lines um scattered around you have to like trudge through the snow but then there's like um like leg attachments that uh skeletons that you can put on that'll help him move along better in the snow so i don't know man i still think you need to play this at some point it's gonna be on sale pretty soon here for like 20 bucks so <laughs> oh yeah continuing. i'm very interested I know, uh, was probably, like, one of my favorite directors. And, and I haven't spoiled the story, but we're gonna need to do an episode on every single game we're talking about today at some point. Oh, yeah, it's, like, don't want to spoil too much, don't want to talk too much, yeah. but I'm very interested in Death Stranding. I know it's one of those, either you love it or you hate it, it's one of those, you just have to give it a shot. Exactly. So, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is, uh, a little game called Borderlands 3. Oh! Uh... Uh, the highly anticipated sequel that we were waiting for since like 2012 because even before then before we knew each other like two was great but i was like man i wonder how the third one would be and borderlands 3 came out last year about a year ago it's like it already had september i believe right it already had its anniversary yeah it was september like 19th so borderlands 3 had its anniversary and for a whole year mayhem with the season pass four dlcs the characters I think what's so great about Borderlands 3 is so, it's the Borderlands 2 at its best. It's Borderlands, you know, at its peak because they know how the game should work. They've listened to the fan base. They've added things to it, such as, example, the slide or even like a uh, cliff like uh, grabbing. Like oh, yeah, you can obviously hop over. Yeah, it's like all those things that you take for granted that are not in one or two. And after you play three, I sometimes would go back and play the first or second one, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm. I don't know how I played this without those little details. Oh yeah, you you start to miss the improvements that three had when you go back to the old ones, which is a testament to how good everything in three has been. Yeah, and I think the art style is the best here. The characters, I honestly thought like, man, I don't think they can outdo Borderlands two main characters. There's like one or two I feel like they can outdo, but I think as a whole, the whole group, this is probably is like the best like vault hunters that they've made. And and you know it did justice to the characters from uh, one and two as well. Like it did pretty good justice to them, especially with the DLCs. Uh, Krieg, 
got a fully fledged DLC all to himself. Um, Gage was back. Zero and Maya were part of the story, and then Axton and Salvador are the hosts of arm ra- arms race in the uh, in the new DLC. Uh, this is a game where it's not like a one story is a one and done. Like this is a continued universe where characters will come back. Uh, things have consequences, you know. Certain things, you know, happen that will affect the next game. It's not one of those like it's not one of those games where you, your choices have an effect. It's just the story itself. They don't forget what they've I guess written before in the past. Like after three games, you know, two mains, uh, two mains in the series, and then a uh, sort of two point five with the pre sequel. Yeah, they kind of establish that this is a, a universe that they're trying to make and to expand. And then we see coming off of pre sequel, the characters in this one are the most developed that they've ever been in the borderlands series because they engage in conversations with the characters there's tons of dialogue for all four of the playable characters and you just see a more natural feeling uh story in this one yeah it's like i'm barely even just talking about the little details this game is so much more than that it's probably my favorite looter shooter absolutely Uh, i could spend hours i spent hours on borderlands it's my most played ps4 game it's also my most played game of all time and it's only been out for a year this is a game that we're not i'm not trying to say so much because it's like we want to have we want to discuss this more down the road but it holds its place at number four because the only problem i could say with it is the low times and that's not because of the game that's because of the hardware it may be on it may be limited to that um and also i think i and we said this they should add so much more side missions or or an arms race mode or certain things like that because it was just like well after you loot and shoot shoot so much in borderlands 2 you kind of you know in 3 you don't want to do that anymore just kind of like i've done it before once throughout a whole game i don't want to do it now but i i don't know it's just it's funny how we've said man this game needs an arms race mode and all of a sudden it just has it as a deal yeah that we came were talking about a roguelike Sunday. mode for months and then lo and behold here we go a little roguelike mode for it, us. it it's just it, i don't know it's just like it really does sound like they are listening because not like they're tapping into our conversation but it just listen to the whole community and being like okay if, you know they need to add more things and i the one thing I would say to any company in general is I like when a company just sticks with their product and they don't give up on it. Exactly. And it seems like the people that are developing for Borderlands 3 at Gearbox, the people that have done the DLC, like uh, they have the Borderlands show where they have the people who are developing the add-ons, seem like they really care about you know, variety, making things interesting, adding new skill trees, um, new modes, new missions, new stories, so... You know, it, it's. I don't know if they'll ever do a season pass three. I think they should, or at least add more arms race mode. But just the amount of fun and joy that this game has brought me, despite all our little complaints and everything, we actually really do love Borderlands three. Oh yeah, I feel like they should stop doing seasonal like events. Eventually, at one point, they should just have all events ready and available right then and there. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And have like little free dlcs like how two had with like the marcus christmas one yeah and the, like thanksgiving one those were like kind of like mini dlcs they're not full-fledged dlcs but they were included and those are really fun and i really like how borderlands has not become a live service because i think that would take some of the fun and soul out of it by turning it into like a like a service based game like this is 
something where once you have that content, you can play that content as much as you want. You can grind for weapons to your heart's content because it's not a it's not a competitive online thing. This is straight up PVE. Uh, no nonsense. Just run and go play some Borderlands. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, we'll talk more about this game later down the line, but it sits at number four. But it, you know, I don't know if they say it could be higher. It always could be higher. But I just think my top three, I don't think like I think can beat those games, and they're mm-hmm. just like my favorite. But it's not a game that I take to a number four lightly. It's a very good game that I can put hours in. Well, then I guess it's down the line later already because my number three is Borderlands Three. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, Borderlands 3 is number 3 for me. Like I said, my most played game of all time. Um, let's just touch on characters real quick since we've talked about Borderlands 3 a little bit already. I'm really into using Moe's, and I really think that she's gotten probably the worst head cosmetics, but now, like, the absolute best um, final form cosmetic in head. But, like, Moe's for me is just... I always liked using you know the stackable splash damage with like the anarchy shotgun and you know just having like 15 hex grenades recurring hex grenades like crash the game basically for a couple of seconds and i just think mo's really said like fit my playstyle because i'm just more of like a purist when it comes to borderlands i think i just want to go in and blast things and you know i'll work with the other characters a bit more but i've got over nine days of playtime with Moe's. my characters i have all four of them but my main is flack i know flack flack the robot which is he's the first robot i believe so Mm -hmm. unless you count wilhelm which He's more machine now than he was human during pre-sequel. But I think he was still human during pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. But Flack is my favorite character. Uh, I think out of the final forms of those skins, uh, Moe's is obviously... I, she's number one all the way. Absolutely. Zane actually has a really good skin. I, I actually know. like his skin a lot. I made his green and it looks so cool. <laughs> I love his skin. It looks like zero... Actually, even with their headgears, it looks like a zero head. Because they're both assassins, so they're both part of the same you know line of because it's weird because you feel like what flack would be more with zero but not really because uh flack's more of a salvador character where he's the oddball out mm-hmm. the same as like brick and all that and then zane and zero are uh both the assassins and his costumes are very similar to zero's obviously he can't do the whole invisible stuff but his gadgets his skill tree and he's very unique where he can have actually two and not have like you give up grenades but he can have two skill trees and then uh, Flack has that uh, fadeaway thing that does so much damage. Is that what you're using when you do those like massive amounts of damage to like? Oh yeah. Grave. I use fadeaway. Oh yeah, that's really good. So I mean, like like we said, not not a lot more we're gonna say about Borderlands Three, but it's my number three game. What I'm interested in is your number three game. My number three game was your number five, oh, which okay. is uh, Marvel Spider-Man for the PS4. All right. So, I remember playing Spider-Man 3, so probably, like, weird, but I, I liked the Sam Raimi trilogy. I played Spider-Man 3 on the PS2, and I was just like, oh, man, swinging around the city as Spider-Man is so cool. And then I never really played any other, like, Spider-Man game. I just kind of just, like, stayed away. It didn't really interest me until this one came out. And this one was solely the whole point of being 
a open world Spider-Man game, and there's and everything is it's not like empty. It's not an empty city with like no one really walking the street. No, there's like different NPCs, different. They all have their I would say routines because certain NPCs pop up certain areas, and some of them. Yeah, when you're just walking on the surface level of the streets and not swinging around, you see that a lot of care and effort was put into the NPCs here. Yeah, and I think the one thing about this game that I love the most are the costumes. Oh, absolutely. They're so good. They're they're great. The costumes, and I love that with the DLC, they added more. Uh, I have, like, certain suits that are my favorite, but I love wearing the Sam Raimi outfit. Like I said, I love the trilogy. I grew up on that Spider-Man. So I love wearing that outfit, and I'm glad they put it in. And then with the HD collection, I'm glad they're even... They're still putting in more. Like, even with this whole, like, HD 4K remake, they're adding more skins to it. And, you know, I can't say it enough, but playing this game at 60 frames is going to be one of those, like, next-gen tearjerker moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like, there's no... It, it, I, I would say it does suck that most people cannot play this. It's, it is a PlayStation exclusive. But oh, it's yeah. worth investing in a PlayStation to play this game because it's great. It's like PlayStation is the console you go to for Spider-Man because he's going to be in the Avengers game, we hope. Because we know that game is going through some turbulence right now, but they'll probably have to deliver on that promise. So if you want Spider-Man, PlayStation is the way to go. They got a new Miles Morales game coming out tomorrow uh, for PS4 and PS5 that just builds on the foundation of this wonderful, absolute gem masterpiece. I think my favorite things about Spider-Man, um, the one thing that I, I hoped it was the combat wasn't just like boring. I, I really like that. It's not complicated either too. It's not like you just press square and that's it. And obviously you do it. There's each uh, button layout, either if it's triangle, square, circle, or X mm -hmm. or cross. I actually, I realize that it's, it's not even X. It's technically a cross, but um, each thing does have their own command. So you do have to kind of, not really look away from the screen to look at the controller, but you kind of have to be familiar how the layout of the controller is to know what button to press at certain moments. And then it's not, but it's not too complicated either. It's not like a Street Fighter game where you have to put like input commands in order to execute a certain move. It's like you just do a certain uh, command of, you know, let's say square, square, triangle, or triangle, circle, circle, triangle, and stuff like that. It's not complicated, but it's also not just like, oh, just press square, 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 and then you're good, you're going to beat up everybody. It's like, no, you can uh, get game overs in this game. You can lose to, like, enemies, so you don't just want to be flying around pressing square. you got to actually think, like, well, this character is a heavy set. How do I take care of a heavy set character? Oh, this guy is a long-distance character. He has a rocket launcher. How do I take care of him? And you have the tools for all of it. Oh, yeah, I think the cool thing, too, is the spidey sense when it tells you press circle before a rocket launch or, like, a rocket launcher is coming at you. It'll give you the command on what to press. So it's not one of those games where you have to remember everything. The game will let you know what to press when a certain thing happens. Yeah, like I said, they took the Arkham series and kind of turned that gameplay into Spider-Man gameplay. So, hey, man, Spider-Man is a pretty good game to be on both of our top five. Oh, yeah, it's, it's up there. I haven't played the dlc i remember i i did play the first one and i was like i'll play the dlc but then i played another game and then god of war came in and then all this stuff but then ps5 is coming so i'll probably pick it up back up you know zero like i said 4k zero load time so i'll probably do all that yeah so we're at our top two number two for me 
Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I think we talked about this before a little bit. Yeah, what an absolutely incredible, perfect, as close to perfect as you can get with a piece of media. Sucker Punch, who did Infamous and Infamous Second Son, have created a game that I think has effectively become my second favorite game of all time. I'll have to think about that a little more because putting it at number two of all time would put it ahead of Persona 3 and 4. Um, But this game is so jaw-droppingly beautiful, so much absolute fun to play, so so well-realized and crafted of an open world that they they added a free multiplayer mode that was just as fun as the regular game and the stories you know it's a it's a dark story about becoming the ghost of Tsushima and leaving samurai morales behind but the the uh, the Tsushima island of Japan that they have created in this game is such a beautiful like jaw-droppingly almost place where you have fields of like pampas grass that you like Jin will run his hands across you've got beautiful yellow leaves flying off of trees uh, a really cool cast of characters but I think where it shines the most is the open world traversal where your horse controls just like the character and you are not bogged down by bars and meters and compasses and all that you swipe up on the touchpad and wind will blow you in the direction you're going to and this is this is a 50 hour game that is just an absolute joy from start to finish an amazing achievement for sure and something i'm looking forward to replaying on the ps5 i've said this before and this will be a little foreshadowing i said man i wish there was an open world samurai game in the style of red dead redemption here we go Hey, we go a couple months later, they announced Ghost, and I'm just like, okay, this looks... Uh, I thought it was like um, Sekiro, because I know Sekiro is a ninja samurai game, but yeah. it's more of a, a Souls game. And what I think, speaking of Red Dead, what Ghost of Tsushima does differently is that it streamlines everything. If you're riding on a field, you see a collectible or an item that you need to purchase an upgrade for your sword or your arrows or quiver or something... Just tap the R2 button. I believe it was R2. While you're writing, you don't have to stop and get off or any. Everything about this game is streamlined to make it an absolute blast to play through. You 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 load up Ghost of Tsushima, and it takes all of like ten seconds to load the entire open world because Sucker Punch are wizards who have unlocked the full potential of, of the PlayStation 4, and you it's designed so that when you're playing and you don't have any downtime where you're like oh why is this taking forever to do this it's like you press a button you you go you go to a camp um a bandit camp or mongol camp in in ghost of tsushima's case and you're immediately you're in there you're fighting or you're stealthing around because you can choose between being a samurai or a ninja but the game never locks you out of those options you've got all of them present with you at every time and they're all so much fun Please play this game. <laughs> Listeners, please play this game. <laughs> Not only is probably one of the greatest open worlds out there, it's up there, but they just added free multiplayer, and it's actually good. It's amazing. It's like Destiny Strikes. If Destiny Strikes 1 didn't have to load, and 2 were this amazing samurai game with 
literally the best open world action gameplay I've ever experienced um, combat wise. And yes, it's got... Look, I'm a huge fan of sword-based combat and this is it, man. This is it. This is the pinnacle right now of sword-based combat. Uh, I, I, I could say it again. I have to confess. I haven't picked this one yet, but I, like I said, I know it's good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to pick it up eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it, but it's one of those games where I'm not going to forget it because I know I'm going to see it like, oh, yeah, I need to play this game. I'll get it eventually. Yeah, there's no better time because 60 frames is happening on, on PS5, and that's enough to make me want to play the whole thing over again. Oh, yeah. I just think with the 4K 60 frames and how gorgeous it looks already with the art style of it. And also, talk about... I, this is the last thing. Talk about the options for how you want to play the game. Either oh, yeah. colored, dubbed, or you can put it in black and white and in, in japanese yeah and for the real authentic feel of it you can change the text to the japanese text and have the black and white and japanese dialogue playing you could play the whole game like that if you wanted to looking like say seven samurais or a film like that a kurosawa movie it's even called kurosawa mode actually in the game so and and i've played with a few like an hour or two with this mode on it's really cool and they make the audio sound kind of um like it does in those old movies even with the english uh dialogue turned on so then what is your number two like i said i i foreshadowed this a bit but for my number two is uh red dead redemption 2 ah uh, my number six yeah which i was a little disappointed that you put that at six because <sighs> i love this game i do too um i like it, it i like the, I guess the two things that I like, you know, those whole themes of, well, knights, pirates. I think the two things that I like are Ghost, as in the Samurais, and then Red Dead, as in Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I really like the whole Cowboys, Samurai, like, theme and everything. I, I will play Ghost at one point, but Red Dead 2 is probably the best. It's probably the only, I don't want to say it's the only good Cowboy game, but it is probably the best Cowboy game ever. I mean, it's the best one since Red Dead Redemption 1. Red Dead 2... The theme of the whole cowboys and all that, the open world, the details to like cleaning your weapons, the customization to your weapons, to your character, to hair length where Arthur can't make his hair longer. You just have to wait to actually let it grow back. And I like I said, so much more can go into this game, but we'll just lightly talk, uh, lightly talk about these games. I just, after playing the first one, I was so ready to play the sequel. But not realizing that it's more than what I expected. It's so much more than what I ever expected because oh, Rockstar kind of shifted. Yeah, it shifted its whole mechanic of, hey, we're going to work on multiple projects at the same time and release them, such as, uh, let's say, Bully and then their GTA franchise and then all this other stuff. Now they're more or less like, no, we're going to have everyone work on a single project at a single time. And once you have that much... like. I guess power with like every employee there's so much more they can do and it went above and beyond with this one yeah like i said last week it's super realized it is not a game it is a simulator through and through uh i think the one thing that was great about this game is not just the details to the open world it's not this and that but the characters is what make the game absolutely uh 
each of of the Dutch Vanderlyn gang, each character is just amazing. And then the way the story unfolds and it progresses and how things turn out to be, it's just one of those jaw-dropping moments. And I think when you have a part of the game where building a house is a very good highlight, I think you have a pretty good game. That music video where you build the house (laughs) towards the end. Oh, it's like a highlight to everything. I was not expecting that, but I was very glad that they put something like that in it. I mean, there's characters that you love, and there's characters that you hate, and there's characters that you just despise. That's how good it is, where you actually have a hatred towards certain characters, and you have certain characters you're like, oh man, I wish nothing bad happens to them. And, And Arthur Morgan that you play as himself is arguably one of the best protagonists in any game ever it's it's such a you you grow to love him just as much as you love any of the other characters like lenny or hosea who's also a really great character even dutch has a great personality before you know dutch starts taking his downward spiral yeah uh like i said won't get a lot of won't spoil it too much won't get in a lot of details but uh it's one of those games where you need to play it for yourself the only downside and i think this just in general with rockstar at the moment they're not adding enough DLC to Solo. They're adding it towards their online. Yeah. And I really wish they added some things to online mode. I wish there was an Undead Nightmare 2. We need an Undead Nightmare Solo for uh, Red Dead 2. Because, you know, Undead Nightmare is considered by many people to be the greatest DLC of all time. So, yeah. hopefully... I mean, I'm not expecting anything to be added to the single player in, in Red Dead Redemption 2. But you know what? I'm not going to give up hope for it. <laughs> no, you can never give up hope. But I think with Red Dead, I've there's moments where I just, I don't even play the missions. I just go out and explore. It, just exploring this map, you find so much to this game. It's weird. It's not like a, it is set obviously in base reality, but there's like so much things that you can find like weird, like cult people and like the swamps or something like that like just weird things like that that it's either scary weird or funny or just like a jaw-dropping scenery like when you're on the mountains and you see the like the whole waterfall and you just see how the mountains look in the snow and it's just like amazing yeah it's like death stranding where just going in and exploring the world without having a goal in mind is also kind of chill like the open world is nice enough to be in to where sometimes i'll go into red dead 2 when i had it installed and just gallop around the plains or something or the forest and i had a great time doing it you just put on some music or a podcast to listen to and you know enjoy being in the game world it's it's sometimes just being in the game world is nicer than doing any of the missions oh yeah and i think the last thing i'll say about red dead 2 and how great it is is i don't know it's a prequel to the first game so i just say that enough i won't spoil it too much but I just, I feel like my favorite character out of the entire gang was Charles. He was my favorite. Oh, yeah. Charles is awesome. He was the homie to the end. Um, yeah. And it just, it just feel like you see certain things and you're just like, it ties back to the first one. And then you know how things are going to go out, but you still want to see what happens. Like, even though you, like, it's a, it's a prequel. So it's like, well, if the first one says this happened, that's how it folds. It, it comes out to be, but you still want to see what happens. Like, you still want to know what really happened that day and how dutch became from this good guy with good intent to i guess losing who he was and just being something he he should have never be yeah i said i don't want to spoil you too much but it is a prequel to the first one so 
if you haven't played the first one, I recommend playing that one first because after playing this one and trying to play the first one, like I said, it's like Borderlands 3 to 2. There's so yeah. much detail and so much stuff that they add to it. You're just like, man, I I don't know how I played this game without that. I'm like, you now don't take those things for granted because mm. it just adds so much to it. So, with that being said, I implores us to talk about our number one. <laughs> My number one PS4 game of all time Drum roll. is Drum roll. also. My number one game of all time. And that is Persona 5 Royal. Oof. Now, the reason I'm saying Persona 5 Royal is because that has effectively replaced Persona 5. Mm-hmm. This is the expanded and enhanced edition of Persona 5. So This is the definitive edition. This is the yeah. D version play. So Persona 5 Royal is absolutely my favorite game of all time. It's a turn-based classic RPG, and of course the Persona series is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei, um, really old uh, series that launched uh, for the NES. Coming off of Persona 4 back when I played it 10 years ago, and waiting from Persona 5's announcement to in 2013 to its release in 2017 and re-release as Royal in 2020, this is like a whole saga for me of of waiting and enjoying this game. This game, like 3 and 4 before it, puts you in the role of a student who is misplaced for a year in uh, in a different city. So in the case of Persona 5, your character is put into uh, a different city. He's put into Tokyo, where he attends an academy because he's leaving due to a criminal record, which is part of the plot. And... The idea of Persona is that you and your team of friends in the game um, live a normal life. You do life things. You talk to people. You make you make friendships. You go to places. You go to hangout spots. You develop your relationships with your friends and other characters. And in turn, they'll give you bonuses and different enhancements to your character when you go into the dungeons. The dungeons in this game are called... Uh, palaces and they take place in the metaverse and what palaces are is the villains in this game are corrupt people who have desires and the palace is how they see the world so for example it starts off with a pe teacher who uh like hits his students and wants nothing more than to be on top so he is a king in the metaverse and his palace is the school but it's turned into a castle where the his pe students are enslaved and then you've got things like an artist who steals the work of his pupils and then his palace turns into a museum where he's like a like a japanese warlord who reigns over this golden museum there's a bank where the whole town uh there's a mobster and the whole town is viewed as him uh viewed by him as a bank so this town turns into a bank and people are running around as atms so there's crazy things like this the gameplay is the evolution of persona 4 and shin megami tensei 4 where you have this system where if you hit a weakness you can keep the chain going constantly uh they call it passing the baton from one character to the next 
unleashing their personas attacks there's well over a, like i i think there's over 200 actually different personas that you can fuse for your main character you can keep a stock of those and roll them out whenever you need a, a different attack or weakness the boss fights are 30 minute long epics where in between fighting against the boss you're conversing with them you're trying to figure out what their deal is they're taunting you and this royal version added a new character uh maruki who's a school psychologist and another new character kasumi who who becomes playable in the third part of the game so if you do the confidant which is like persona 5's versions of the social ranks from social links from p3 and p4 you will unlock this extra scenario at the end of the game the royal scenario which leads to just so many amazing crazy things happening every character in this game is wonderful um, this game has my favorite character in a game of all time uh, makoto nijima and you know, from start to finish, this is a 100-hour game at least. If you do the royal content, you'll be pushing 120, 130. So it's an investment in time for sure, but I, the music. I This is a game I've bought the soundtrack for, and that soundtrack was like $30 just because the music is amazing. So from start to finish, it's a visual treat. It's super fun to play. The story is engaging. The characters are amazing. It just I can't find anything bad to say about Persona Five. I could say something bad. Too much reading. <laughs> no, there's, a, lo- there's uh, a lot of reading, but most of it is voiced. No, it, it's not bad. I think what I, I have tried this game. I, we purchased it. We were both there. Um, I think I just need glasses. I just think that's my problem. Um, things are blurry sometimes, so whenever I see a game and it doesn't have full audio sometimes, I have to actually read sometimes. It's kind of a blur to me. So I'm just like, well, I don't have time to squint my eyes and really stress them out, so I was like, I'll just play something else. But I don't see a problem with this game, but it is, I guess it's an RPG game. Yeah. I'm not really that much of a fan of RPGs. There's like a handful that I really do like. It's it's a turn-based RPG, but it distance itself from the archaic type of turn-based rpg gameplay to where you can keep a chain going weaknesses are pointed out by navigators in your party and you can hit these weaknesses you can chain them you can switch things out so it's not like a like a final fantasy five or six where you've got set characters with set spells and you have to like hope something works there's there's a lot of variety and you're capable of switching things out on the fly if they don't work for you. So it's kind of like the evo- it's the only turn-based RPG I think that has gone so far to become that much fun to play. Besides, of course, three and four, which this game is the logical progression of. I don't know. I like. I don't have much to say, but I think you said enough to not really give out too much information. Oh yeah, because. We, we'll do a Persona 5 episode at some point. We can't oh, not yeah. have episodes about our favorite games like oh, yeah. that. But, um, you know, some people complain about the ending of Royal. I'm not complaining about the ending of Royal. Because while it is different, it makes sense. Please play this game if you're into RPGs at all. Um, and while you're at it, play P3 and P4. You were saying something about glasses, and I was thinking about P4 because in P4... 
everybody gets glasses so they can see through the fog. So whenever they go into their TV world in P4, um, Teddy gives them a pair of glasses. So P4 is all about glasses, which I thought was pretty funny when you were talking about glasses. Oh, man. Uh, I'll, I'll probably give this game. I mean, it's part, not the Royals, but 5 is part of the PlayStation Plus. Yeah, so it's one of so those, Royal got nothing has to lose. a lot of quality of life improvements over 5, but if you want the complete P5 experience without the Royal additional content, um, it is going to be on the PS Plus collection. Now, if you play that and you like it enough, I'd say get Royal. Royal's going to be on sale on Black Friday, I think, for really low, so... Now's the time if you're into it. Oh, yeah. It's holiday season, so it's now the time to pick up some of these games if they're on sale to snag them up. Exactly. So, let's get to your number one. What's your number one? Uh, My number one is probably not my number one game of all time, but it's up there. Maybe I'm probably top ten. I wouldn't say it's in my top five. It's in my top ten. And my favorite PS4 game of all time, I bought this day one. I played it day one, and I've ne- I didn't stop playing it until like three years after it was released. And that is Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. Another good one. Probably from one of my favorite franchises of all time, Metal Gear Solid. From, say, one of my favorite directors of all time, Hideo Kojima. This game was an open-world Metal Gear Solid game, which surprisingly hasn't happened yet. Every Metal Gear Solid game was one of those, you just have, it is kind of open world, but you, the more you progress, obviously you can't go back to those certain areas. This one, you can go wherever you want, and missions activate when you walk to, like if you walk in a certain area, the mission will activate. So this one, to give a little backstory, this one takes place after Peace Walker, before Metal Gear, the first one, uh, back in like the 1980s. You take control as the main character uh, named Big Boss. He uh, has been in an accident from the prequels, uh, I guess a prequel sort of sequel to, Fan- uh, not Phantom Pain, the sort of sequel to uh, Peace Walker, Ground Zeroes. So after all that, Big Boss is in a coma for nine years. And then Big Boss wakes up, uh, he has shrapnel in his body. So uh, when you see Big Boss, he has like a, a horn on the right side of his head on on top of his like head uh, basically by the like, the hairline and it's basically a piece of shrapnel and uh big boss just loses an arm and then this whole crazy just event happens and then, uh, like i said once well too much but big boss managed to escape can i just say that this game probably has my favorite intro scene of the entire generation when it starts playing the man who sold the world and like the the first drum beat is so perfectly timed with him opening his eyes that I was just like that whole beginning part it was just like I had chills man oh yeah that like this game is like amazing and then yeah. after all that uh, a recurring character who's the main part of the story of the examples, but his name is uh, Ocelot uh, gets Big Boss out of the hospital and he basically tells him like you've been in a coma for nine years we gotta you know fix some things certain things and certain events have happened that we have to establish and put back to normal or you know fix it or do whatever we need to do and a uh, big boss gets a new cool gadget he gets a robotic arm he gets a prosthetic robotic arm that's been teased in peace walker because i think the main villain in peace walker had it and then basically you get it and it it's not just a standard like cybernetic arm like it is at first but you eventually can upgrade it 
like certain things you can do you can send like sonic waves to actually see through walls and it'll tell you where things are at um you can have one where it's like uh it's a rocket launcher so you can literally just sucker punch someone from a distance because your arm will be rocket power uh another one's like you can grab people from a certain distance it'll it'll basically shoot out grab them and then pull them back to you and the thing about Microsoft makes it my top ps4 game and i i do not like exaggerate this i put hours and years into this game i played this game for four years after it came out this came out in like 2015 yeah so right i like i I play it here and there but just how good the combat is and how good the customization to not only the character but the weapons to the variety in general in this game oh yeah so many different ways to approach every single situation every single situation it's funny because I was going to mention this. I don't know what it is with Ho- Kojima, but with his games, it's one of those, if there's a will, there's a way. If you can think of it, if you can plan it out, you can execute it. Because either you can go, I'm more of a combat stealth like kind of player. Like I try to avoid, you know, combat. Mm-hmm. But when I do do combat, it's kind of like quiet in, you know, close quarters and all that stuff. And I try to like t- knock out the person to hide their body away so people don't find it. But um, and like... um. I'm not as good at stealth as you are, but that yeah. option was there for me. I could go through using the trank gun, and if push came to shove, any other weapons that you take along with you. Yeah, it's not it's not going to uh, put you down like, oh, no, you have to do this stealth, or no, you have to do this combat. You can take it whatever way you want it. Like I said, if you can imagine it, if you can plan it out, it could be done. It'll give you so It gives you so much options and so much utility to use. Um, yeah. I would say a standard weapon to an inflatable balloon and you can use that to your advantage and then it kept the fulton system from peace walker 2 where you can recruit other people oh yeah you can actually uh, upgrade your mother base you can actually like progress it and actually find people on the battlefield that once you uh you can see like how good their ranking system is like obviously they're like d to e to f to c to obviously a to s to like triple s plus and all that and sometimes when you actually capture people they won't uh defect to your uh base they actually they'll just be kind of like they'll be kind of there but you can't use them they'll they'll just kind of like yeah like uh we're not going to help you but you can't really just release them back to like the i guess the field of battle because you already have them you don't want the enemy team to to use them so it's like well if they're not just going to help me they're just going to kind of stay here they just kind of stay in there and do nothing, but it's kind of one of those things that's funny that sometimes the NPC actually won't help you. Like, yeah, you captured me, but it's not like a whole program. Like, once you capture an NPC, it'll help you. It'll change the coding. Like, no, sometimes the actual coding of the game will be like, no, we're going to help you. Like, like yeah, you captured us, but we're not going to help you. So it's just like, well, I guess you're just kind of here for now. Mm-hmm. But, I like I said, I don't want to spoil so much, because this game, through for through, has spoils for, like, the third game, the you know everything afterwards, everything before it. It's just so much that we have to do. It's probably its own, like, Metagross Solid, like, episode. We're going through the entire timeline. And, you know, it does deserve to be played. It, it It's a very smooth running game, too. Like, I was always impressed how this was the game that was, like, smooth 60 frames the entire time through. Um, oh, yeah. And the environments, of course, the enemies you fight against, the, um, I forgot what they're called, the skulls. There we go, the skulls. They're pretty cool. They show up really early on. Yeah, it's really good. I feel like with this game, um, 
not only do you have, I say utility as like you know equipment and all that. You actually have like partners. You have buddies. Yeah. You can have like a dog companion. You can have a robotic companion. You can have a horse companion. You can have another soldier companion with you. I like said won't spoil it through that much, but you can't have another person with you in the oh. middle of uh, combat. And the only problem with this game, I wished it was finished. There's like uh, yeah, there's probably that. like two missions that they didn't finish, and I wish they finished it. Because it does leave off on a cliffhanger, and you're just like, what happens? It's one of those games where you do kind of, after you play it all the way through, you kind of have to find out what happens afterwards. It's one of those things where Metal Solid does have some moments where you do have to read or research what happens during that time period. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but it is one of those moments where you, you have to do research and see what happens after that time period. But the open world, the details, the characters, the equipment, the way you can do whatever, like I said, if you... If you want to go in stealth, you can. If you want to go in, you know, just, hey, I'm here. I'm just going to do this. And now you're in a whole combat scenario. You can do that. You don't have to do certain missions. Like, obviously, side missions, you don't have to do those. But when you do them, you're rewarded. You have so much things you can do at your mother base. You can upgrade your equipment. You can research your equipment. And I can go on and on how great this game is, The how the different days and weather changes throughout the entire like open world it's a lot of stuff in this one it's a real it, much like death stranding also by kojima it's very expansive very lot of like a lot of detail goes into into his games it's one of those things where it's like red dead where if you don't clean yourself eventually your character will get dirty and you have to clean your character just like in deadly premonition 2 yeah the most realistic game ever it's one of those things where it's like, it's weird, but it's one of those things where it doesn't really bother you about it. It's like, yeah, you don't have to clean your character, but eventually your character will end up not smelling. He'll smell like a dumpster. Yeah, sometimes it's good to get engrossed into a game. Like, really enhances the game sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, but every now and then you play a game with a lot of hyper-realism like that, and it's cool. I mean, the the music, some of the music they have in that game is great. Some of the, like, oh, the, yeah, the music from the cassettes. Music is yeah. amazing. It's really great. Um, the pacing. I, I, I really like the Fox engine. The, the Fox engine that Kojima produced for these games Absolutely. is like really great. Uh, I would really love to see the third game with this engine, HD. But So would I. Phantom Pain is probably in my top 10 of all time games, but it's probably my top PS4 game of all time. Mm-hmm. I put... Our, even the online i love the online mode i just hate they haven't done anything with it it's just kind of there but if they were to update it and to add new things to it oh man i would play this online mode every day <laughs> all right then i think without spoiling too much i think that should be our top 10 list right there all right, so there you have it. There there was our top five, which completes our top ten PS4 games of all time. Now, PS5 does launch tomorrow, so next week's episode we should have some thoughts on Astro's Playroom and maybe the other games or enhancements to games. We'll see what we get through in the upcoming week. Um, I know I'm going to get Miles Morales and Godfall, and, you know, Snacks is coming out, so we might have some thoughts on that. But I just want to say... Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Like always, um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts now. Uh, I hope you all enjoy your new consoles, whether you got an Xbox Series X, S, 
PS5 or any combination of those. And hey, it's like we always say, at the end of the day, the real Sly 2 band of thieves was the friends we made along the way. So we'll see you next time. Bye.